by the power of Castle Hate Skull, I am Hella Mark Harley, and you are watching the world's number one rated fitness adjacent podcast. Now, there might be other fitness podcasts out there that are strictly fitness, but here at the Haters Will Say podcast, we are fitness adjacent. We'll touch on fitness, we'll touch on some boobs, we'll touch on some dongs, but guess what? We'll also touch on other stuff related to fitness that's not quite fitness, but could be related to fitness if you really think about it and go like a, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon type thing. Okay, then it, we're all still related to fitness and it's adjacent to that, right? So today, oh my God, we have one of the greatest episodes I think I've ever done for you. We're going to talk about my recent adventures in Northern California. We're going to talk about, of course, the Liver King and his many adventures on the East Coast. Uh, we're going to talk about some steroids. Shocker, I know. I'm going to tell you about my first cycle and also a cycle I'm thinking about doing. I want to run it by you because you guys are all anabolic experts at this point. Ooh, we're going to look at some, I got a lot of, this is why we can't have nice gyms lined up. Who knows if we'll get to all of them. I got a really cool, hella sick fitness page to show you. This guy's a beast. And you know what? We got some, some more hella sick, hella sad fitness tragedies. It's a, a new recurring segment, but I want to give it, you know, I want to inspire you guys, but I also want to give you that really real. I want to make sure that, uh, we look at some of the realities of the fitness world as a fitness adjacent podcast. You know, tragedy is often adjacent to fitness. What am I doing to my computer right now? Well, that is talcum powder that was in my backpack that exploded uh, during a trip to Sacramento. Exploded might be a strong word. Uh, uh, Mark left the talcum powder open in his backpack might be a more accurate term, but yes, you know, I was almost, uh, almost didn't make my flight to Sacramento. Went to uh, the show's up there with Brendan and the gang, and uh, <laughs> I couldn't find my ID. And so I wasted all this time looking for my ID, and then I was like, well, if I don't leave right this moment, I'm going to be late and miss my flight for sure. Turns out, if you guys didn't know this, you know, I don't only drop fitness advice and tips, I also drop real life tips. Turns out, you don't need an ID to get on a plane, you just kind of need to do like an extra security check, right? They will take out all of your stuff and uh, individually swipe it one by one and then put it back in your bag. And that may take up some extra time that may cause you to miss your flight. But let's just say I was the latest I've ever been for a flight and still made it. You know, I sat down and like three minutes later we're flying. So made it. It was awesome. Brendan's usual uh, crew of openers couldn't make it. So I got to meet some new friends up in Sacramento at the Punchline. Shout out Craig Conant. If you don't know him, the dude is hilarious and just a really interesting guy, really open about his past, uh, you know, drug use and experience as a former addict. I'm not selling him out. This is part of his act, folks, okay? But uh, I always love talking to addicts who have their stuff in check now because, you know, usually they have a lot of funny stories <laughs> and a lot of interesting perspective on life and the people that they used to hang out with and, and what drugs and addiction uh, can make you do or the ways in which it alters your behavior and mindset. So I think when you've been through something like that and seen that and recovered from it, I don't know, I just, I think those tend to be very interesting people. And when you can spin that into comedy, uh, I know that the crowd really had a strong reaction to him. He sold a lot of merch and it was just really cool to, uh, you know, see somebody work who I hadn't, I'd been aware of, and I think we'd followed each other for a little while, but I didn't know he was going to be on this trip. So that was really cool. In addition to that, I was able to go to my older brother's 40th birthday. This is the same brother that I got the car from in Rhode Island. He, for his 40th birthday, came out to uh, California, to where most of my family lives in Northern California, and we did like a 
40th birthday celebration at a local tavern called the Hop Monk Tavern, catered with street tacos uh, and, you know, local beers, etc. So I had some interesting beers. Yes, I drink sometimes, guys. I know it's hard to believe, uh, given that I'm negative 3% body fat year-round. But the fact is, yes, once every six years, I will have an alcoholic beverage. Um, or 18, you know, somebody actually commented on my, they saw me in Sacramento and they're like, hey man, I saw you in Sacramento, your eyes were all bloodshot and you look super fucked up. I said, what's up? I said, hey, hello, Mark Harley. And you, and you said, that's me. <laughs> like, <cool. laughs> now, was I really, you know, was I uh, drunk from, or messed up, or uh, did I have bloodshot eyes from alcohol consumption or the fact that it might've been like 1 a.m. after a show? I don't know. But what I do have respect for going to these shows and doing nothing, having literally zero responsibilities, is it is a grind. You do stay up late, you know, doing two shows. Just being up that late as an old geezer like myself, like I'm just, I don't usually stay up past 10 p.m. So being forced to stay up till one or whatever, and uh, it gives you empathy for comics doing late shows and somebody like Brendan doing meet and greets after the show, keeping up that social energy after doing an hour on stage. It's a lot. <clears throat> so... Got to see my family kill two birds with one stone. So sick. Hitched a ride back from my aunt and uncle that I don't get to see too often who live in Sacramento. And, uh, you know, some other really interesting news. And this is going to be the first link that I click on in a second here. I'm just going to set it up that uh, I'm next week. No, the uh, like the 17th, I think. 16th is the I'm going to fly out the 15th to Oklahoma City. We're going to shoot on the 16th, and I'm going to fly back. The 17th, what am I doing for this shoot? I am shooting a Hanson music video. Yeah, you heard it right, Hanson. Remember? Now, I'm about to make history, in case you didn't know, as the only person to ever be in two Hanson music videos. You heard it right. In 2013, I was in my first Hanson music video. It's called Get the Girl Back, a uh, shot at the, I think it's called like the Satellite or something in Silver Lake, some... Um, a little concert venue, small concert venue. And uh, it was really cool because they were like, they were doing a live performance and my little bit role was, uh, they had people as this guy's like going to find this girl and like, uh, you know, he's encountering different people at this concert and we're like saying individual lines. So my role in this, in this video was, uh, you know, just a few seconds, but I got to say a line from the song and I thought it turned out well. So can we play that real quick? Show her that you're not like all the rest. Just nailed it. God, like, the, ah. That's when I'm like, dude, I could really do this. If I can be in a Hanson music video, I can do almost anything. Um, so I am actually psyched for that. I've talked to the director, and it's going to be a really funny concept. Using my muscles and also my comedy. Perfect combination. So, yesterday, I also... Had a visit from my buddy Nash from RepWorks, who I have brought up on this podcast before. RepWorks is a really cool page. It's an Instagram page right now. He also offers um, coaching and programs. So you can, for example, I used his deadlift program to put like 90 pounds on my deadlift. This past year, it was really awesome. I loved the workouts. They're very specific, uh, but easy to follow. Uh, you know, he gives you percentages of your max. He gives you, uh, you know, exact rest times. Um, so he flew out to uh, from Chicago just for the day to shoot some vlog content that we're hopefully going to upload on the next couple weeks here. 
uh, doing like a deadlift and back workout. And it's just, it's similar to something you would see on his, uh, on the RepWorks Instagram page because he puts daily workouts on there, um, you know, with just an A, B, and C, a main mover, uh, some back off work and, and some accessory work. So what we did was worked up to like a heavy single. I haven't done deadlifts in forever. Me and the crew kind of have it. Me, Chappelle, like we, we, we're doing heavy deadlifts for a while and then didn't do them because um, we all kind of had like, you know, Brendan had his hamstring injury. I had a lower back injury. Uh, Chappelle has a punk band that he prioritizes over us sometimes. So it all works out now. Uh, so I got up to 500 pounds for a single. Felt good because, again, I hadn't done deadlifts in a while, but I wanted to see if I could was still in that ballpark. Um, and then we did some back off work uh, of with deficit deadlifts. And that brings me to a bro science academy i'm going to talk about deficit deadlifts here because i think it's something that i hadn't really done before and nash uh, is a big proponent of deficit deadlifts and so i started doing them with his program and i've come to really like them for a few different reasons so i worked up to a heavy single of 500 then i backed down to 315 uh, for three sets of 12. now the benefit to me of doing these deficit deadlifts and when i say deficit i just mean i'm standing on a plate so we were i was standing on a 55 pound bumper plate so it's you know maybe if you stacked like two normal 45 pound plates together that like are uh are steel plates it would be about the equivalent, you know, so like it's probably like six inches off the ground. But what that does, just providing a little bit more room to go down, um, it involves your quads a little bit more because it, it forces you to get down to, to like more of a squat position, right? You can't use quite as much weight. So 315 might be a little bit easy for me normally if, you know, for doing, uh, uh, you know, sets of that nature. But, uh, just that that la that final six inches going down to the floor and coming back up engages the quads and the legs, forces you to keep a certain balance in your form that you might not have. Um, you know, it, it's much harder to like lean forward and get off balance forward because you have to come down into a deeper squat position and keep it balanced the entire time. And what it does is take pressure off of your lower back. So as somebody who's been experiencing lower back pain, um, and lower back injuries, lower back strain. I still, even though I'm mostly recovered, like I still have this chronic, um, you know, pain that I'm, this is there most of the day. Now, have I done an amazing job of like really stretching it out and finding like, you know, I, I have to get like, you know, my psoas stretched out and these different things. I don't know if that's going to be it, but your psoas connects your upper body to your lower body. It's really hard to get at. So I'm like experimenting with ways to get at this hip pain. Uh huh. Have you seen the So Right product? I have. I just haven't like used it. Yeah. But it looks like it digs like way in, you know, but it is like, you know, you're like, oh, I this thing, but I can't like, you know, you kind of do need to like stick something in there, mm -hmm. right? Have you used it? Uh, yeah, my brother Shane uh, has like chronically tight psoas. So yeah. He, he, uh, he used it. And again, I assume it's that, but because it's so deep inside, like, you know, it's like not really my back. It like starts there, but then it's like, oh, this feels like if I were to like drill into the middle of my hip, it'd be in there. And I think that's where it is but he swears by it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take his word for it then. He also works for the So Right. He's sponsored by them. Um, no, I will, you know, like, so I'm looking into stuff like that, but it was nice to know that at least doing, you know, going up to 500 pounds, I didn't feel anything extra. And in fact, the workout that he put us through afterwards doing, uh, we did some seal rows. And by that, I mean like a chest supported, but free weight row. Cause you'll sometimes like a T-bar row is a chest supported machine row. Um, but a seal row is like, usually you have to stack up 
benches uh, to get high enough off the ground where you, you know, if you extend your arms all the way down, you can have a, a barbell or dumbbells under there and you can pull up straight into your back. But at Zoo, they have this particular machine that allows a chest supported free weight row where you're like, you know, hanging, you're, you can come down and uh, towards the floor. We did some of that. We did some strict pull ups. Um, and we also did some uh, reverse hypers, right? Where you're you're laying, it's also chest and stomach supported and your legs hang down. Joe Rogan, if you listen to him, he always talks about this and I'd never really done it because it's kind of an awkward movement, but this time we like to get your feet under there. I like, I just didn't, uh, like it didn't click for me. This time it did because we didn't use any weight and even just hanging off and letting your legs come down like this, I see that it's better than a hamstring stretch for your lower back because the weight of gravity like pulls the lower half of your body down and I feel like it got at something, perhaps even my psoas, but I felt that stretching something inside that joint um, where your upper body meets your lower body, where, you know, uh, uh, your, you know, right around your waist, what is that, like the uh, cervical spine meets your lumbar spine, I guess. Um, it, it was tugging on something and kind of stretching it out at that bottom resting position that I just had never felt before. So I was like, oh, this is the magic of the reverse hyper. I want to start doing those more. And after doing a couple sets of them, I actually felt relief in that area. Came back a few hours later, but in that moment, uh, I did feel relief. So I'm going to urge you guys to check out deficit deadlifts. Do your deadlifts. Keep good form and just elevate yourself uh, by, you know, six inches or so and especially if you have back problems, you'll see that you can get this fatigue on your legs and also your traps. Like anytime I do, you know, I forget about this. When you do heavy deadlifts, it really is one of the best trap workouts because, you know, traps, shrugs are great, but just holding a weight with that static tension, you know, a super heavy weight, it does work your traps because your traps are working overtime to like not let your scapula fall off your body. So in that sense, you know, it's, it's one of the best trap workouts and I always feel it up and down, you know, not just like the, the top portion of my traps, the lower traps as well, the middle traps. All right, let's take a break from me talking about super cool, interesting stuff to tell you about Happy Hippo Kratom. Once again, this is the product that I use a few times a week now. I'm on it right now during this podcast. Can you believe it? I try to save it so it's a a product I can use to get myself into that really focused zone where I'm feeling good and my brain is greased up and working well. I don't know how else to describe it, but I'd liken it to, you know, somewhere between a nicotine and an Adderall, but again, it's all natural. It's an all natural product that comes from a leaves uh, of a plant from Southeast Asia. It is the best focus product I've ever used, straight up. Uh, because it doesn't take me too far in that stimulant direction, doesn't take me too far in that relaxation direction. It works somewhere in the middle and just makes me feel good. So uh, the best part of it all is it's high quality product, right? Happy Hippo is a brand that you can trust as far as you know what's in the product. There's many uh, other Kratom products out there that I personally wouldn't trust, and I know how this works because I'm somebody who orders random stuff on the internet. You don't always know what you're buying, but when you go to Happy Hippo, you can trust that they are delivering the product that they state they are going to, and it has the highest quality ingredients. So if you visit happyhippoherbals.com and use promo code THICKBOY, you're gonna get 20% off 
each and every order you place. That's happyhippoherbals.com, thick boy with three C's. At checkout, get 20% off and see if you can relate to what I'm talking about as far as this product making your brain go, let's go. Okay. As promised, boy, oh boy, we got some good Liver King memes of the week. You know, we always start out with a regular post from him. The Liver King takes over New York this week. I was surprised to say, oh, he's got a subway going on. What are we going to see? Let's roll this. Uh Uh-huh. As expected, he's got the chains. He's got the kettlebells. He's got the, uh, I was going to say ankle wakes. Doesn't look like he has ankle weights, maybe. Um, but he's coming out of a subway. <laughs> so this dude, like, he flew to New York and he's just like, hey, let's get on a subway with 80 pounds of chains and two super, like, the kettlebells are not small. He looks like they're, they're at least 60 pounds. It would not surprise me if they were 80-pound kettlebells. But he's uh, traveling on the subway at least one stop, you know. <laughs> Somebody got a, in the car ahead of him. And, you know, I just I appreciate the planning that goes into this. Like, he's taking his family to New York and he's like, I'm just going to wear my shorts and no shirt. And it's like, okay, it's March in New York. It must be cold. I'll have to look at the weather in a second. But I can't imagine that it's like warm out, you know. But uh, there he is, red chested and full of chains, kettlebells. And uh, his trademark hat. Let's do the, the next one. This is what's even more egregious. Oh, shit. This is uh, not the one I was thinking of, but we can play this. It's still, it's, this is funny. Can we play the volume on that? One more time. Letter King takes one royal shit every morning, just like clockwork, at 6.30. And guess what? I'm here to prove it to you. So he's, Welcome to the royal shit He's talking about pooping. Yeah, I, <laughs> I thought this was like, I'm like, this can't be him doing it. <laughs> Did somebody use a deep fake? But he takes the poop, comes King out, out. <laughs> liver king out. Then we go out, and it's just a giant ribeye. <laughs> that actually made me laugh a lot. Okay. And you know what? We'll save the other one for next week, but uh, it's another New York adventure. Okay. And then this is the liver king meme of the week. This is like a playing card, right? And so we. <laughs> It's like when you have <laughs> the Liver King legitimately makes me laugh more than anything else, I think. Um, is both his videos and these memes. So it's blood pressure, 1,000 out of 1,000. It's like ranking all his strengths, you know, like they used to have these, like the X Men cards that I would collect as a kid. Maybe you guys did too. Moral integrity, question mark. <laughs> Chances he eats that stuff, zero. Redness, 90. Nattiness, come on, bro. <laughs> oh, a clever one. And I'm going to give a shout out to the guy who looks like he made it. Um, Silo Connor, C I L L O uh, Connor is his at. So good job if you made that. All right. We're going to do a help. I'm on steroids. I've been promising to tell you guys about the first time I ever took steroids and the mistakes that I make and the message and uh, lessons that I hope to pass on to other people who are going to take similar compounds or doing this for the first time. Now, I spent a couple years when I was like 18. I must have been cognizant of the fact that I wanted to take steroids or I was at least interested in it. And maybe there are a lot of people out there who never end up taking steroids who start to research it, right? So I don't know if I was like set on taking it. There's also these questions of uh, how do you get this stuff? So I would go on this website called, this is in like, 2000, the year 2000, 2001. So, um, you know, it was the beginning of web popularity, I guess I'd say. And I've been on the internet, of course, for a number of years. But like, 
this was like this version, the version of the dark web back then was like a pay website called, I remember it was steroidencyclopedia.com, but they spelled encyclopedia uh, in the British way where it's like encyclopedia, P-A-E-D-I-A or something like that. Um, so they should, that, they should have spelled it like encyclopedia, like cycle, <laughs> like a cycle of. Anyways. That's a good one. Yeah, that would have been the ultimate, uh, you know, cyclopedia, steroid and cycle steroids story. <laughs> um, steroid and steroid cyclopedia. So you would go on there, you could pay like 20 bucks for an access to these steroid distributors. And you'd get their contact information, and I suppose you would like email them. Now I'm trying to think like, how did I even get in touch with them? I don't know. But like how it ended up was I'd send envelopes of cash to these people in different countries or MoneyGram or Western Union. But like, I remember you try to do Western Union online and they'd be like, well, you cannot send this money to this person. <laughs> so like I'd have to do it in person. But a couple of times I did actually send envelopes of cash. I remember going to the uh, post office in Claremont, California and handing like a thousand dollars in cash. And it was all like small bills. So it was like this thick wad of cash. And the woman's like, what's in here? And I'm like, pictures. <laughs> like I didn't make any attempt. Like I didn't even like double bag it or like put a piece of paper on it. You know, 18 year old dumbass. Um, but also, you know, so I got some stuff there. I think I bought like Decca and Winstrol and, uh, D ball from this online, uh, vendor and it came through like I actually never had uh, you know over the years I ordered for for me and my friends I did a few cycles in college and then stopped completely for the next like 13 or 14 years and didn't get back on TRT till I was like 35 um, so you know again <laughs> in case you're thinking like oh the Mark's been blasting steroids for like you know most of his life I did some cycles went natty I'll never be like actually like all natty lifetime natty you know even if I stop right now but um you know, I, I just had some, it's interesting to see, like, what, go back and revisit, like, what I was thinking. I, I thought that my dosages were mild, and I'll get to what they were in a second, but, like, you know, I, I, in retrospect, I could have gotten so much off of so little and and took too much. I also will just say I went to, <laughs> I went to uh, Rosarito, Mexico with a group of people and bought, like, Sustanon from the local pharmacy and, like, I just did it so brazenly. Like, I don't know what I was saying. I just like was like with my friends. I'm like, I'm gonna go buy steroids in this fucking like, you know, um, in this uh, farmacia, you know? And I was like, tienes testosterona, you know? <laughs> tienes esteroides? Tienes esteroides? Um, you know, I, prob I probably tried to speak Spanish and they were like, yeah, yeah, you want juice, okay. Um, but they brought me the testosterone. And almost like part of me, because I could have gotten it online, I think I just wanted to like see, does this work? Can you actually do it? You know, you're like, oh my God, like, can I go to Amsterdam and actually have sex with a prostitute? Um, because I could have gotten the stuff, I just bought it. Yeah, and it was cheap and you can go in and just get this, uh, get this stuff over the counter. Um, and, but, <laughs> I remember people with me, like judge me, like, I don't think that's right. You know, like, I don't want you to, girls are always like, I don't want you to take steroids. Ah. Um, cause I was with my girlfriend and her friends at the time and some other people. I don't know what they were thinking. I just didn't care. Like I just was like, Oh, I'm set on doing this. So you can sizzle my dizzle if you don't like it. So <clears throat> my first cycle ended up being, uh, Sustin on two fifty a week, one CC a week. The DECA that I took was 300 milligrams, so I was taking 300 milligrams a week. And then, like, a kickstart of a month of, you know, four to five weeks of Dianabol, 30 milligrams a day. I am, like, in a month, I gained, like, 25 pounds, you know. 
and I was also eating tons of food and, and training really hard, you know, like I did, I was doing like a six day a week split, hitting every muscle group. Um, I was doing, you know, bodybuilder split of like back and triceps and then chest and biceps. So like I was doing antagonistic muscles on the, on the same uh, day and probably getting, you know, like, so if you're doing back and biceps on separate days, you're really hitting them like four days a week. But I just remember like, I looked really big and it was very obvious to anybody looking at me like, oh, that guy's on steroids. Uh, not necessarily because I looked like ripped or vascular, but just because I gained so much weight and it was more of a puffy look that I think I got. And that was like another mistake that I realized. I'm like, oh, you're taking all these uh, steroids that are known for retaining water, even though you go online and everything's like, take this, like, if you want to bulk or gain weight, take this and that. Um, and I used to think Nandrolone would make you retain a ton of water. Now that I've taken it on its own, and that's really not the case. I think it's a combination of testosterone and Nandrolone. And people would talk about prolactin with Nandrolone. I haven't experienced any prolactin side effects, even taking a high dose of Nandrolone on its own. But apparently, if you combine the two, there are some effects that I wouldn't necessarily say are worth it. And also, I've talked about the finasteride issue before that you can take finasteride on testosterone. It blocks the conversion of test into DHT. But when you're taking nandrolone, uh, nandrolone is actually a, it converts into a more safe, uh, a hair safe steroid. So if you take finasteride with it, it prevents that conversion and keeps more of the nandrolone. And nandrolone in and of itself is uh, like it binds to the hair follicle and causes hair loss. So like you want that conversion. So if you're taking them both, it puts you in a weird spot where like you'd block the conversion of testosterone into DHT, but not like you want the nandrolone to convert uh, into its, uh, you know, 5-alpha reductase product. And uh, that doesn't happen. So it ends up being worse for your hair. And the combination of test and DECA, from what I understand, actually increases your prolactin levels on its own. It doesn't do that. And then Dianabol is also a test derivative. And so, you know, as I learn more and more, you can actually, like there's many people out there who use Dianabol as a test base because you want something that aromatizes. So you have some sort of estrogen in your body. You want a little bit of estrogen. You want um, the neuroprotective and cardioprotective effects of an estradiol. And uh, that happens with with d-ball if you're using both test and anabol you're getting all this estrogen conversion so maybe that's not the best combination but i just remember i was very watery i remember i took a flight to see my girlfriend and like got the worst uh edema in my ankles on the flight like you know so i'm retaining all this water i'm big strong and puffy but like you know nobody looks good with uh puffy ankles right that you could like stick your finger into and uh you know go an inch deep and and have that imprint in there. It's disgusting, it's nasty, uh, and just a little bit of pressure change in the cabin of the airplane, I guess, caused that, you know, staying up, uh, you know, because it was like a red-eye flight to see her. So, all in all, I gained like 30 pounds, you know, got up to like, let's see, I probably put 60 pounds on my bench press, you know, 50, 60 pounds on my squat, um, could clean 315 with the most atrocious form of all time, but in retrospect, it was really obvious. Oh, also, I got like, I, like somewhere along the line, like I was fine. And like I started getting acne after like a month or something, like, like some of the worst back acne I've ever had. It was terrible. And then it's like, you know, great. You, you, you take steroids and work out to look good. And then you don't want to take your shirt off, you know. So that was probably one of the worst elements of it. And uh, I also had this bright idea 
of getting, I'm like, oh, like in anticipation of getting acne, I'm gonna get anti-bacterial uh, stuff. Um, what do they call them? <laughs> what is, uh, what is, oh, antibiotics, yeah. So I like bought Mexican antibiotics to like, and just started taking them like from the get-go, <laughs> like the stupidest idea ever um, that I don't think, you know. So it's like destroying my gut bacteria, I assume, and also, you know, just like it's throwing whatever's going on in your body off balance. So I assume like maybe like if you take a course of them and then stop taking them, like it's going to rebound, you know, because all the like super bacteria are still living in your body. I don't know. Uh, but all I know is like I took them and then stopped and then it got like way, like I got this, you know, the worst acne on my back that I've ever gotten from any cycle. I haven't experienced that um, to any degree, you know, even close since then. But it was just... So because of that, I would have, you know, I look back and I would have done many things differently. I maybe would have taken one of the three things that I was taking. Um, I probably would have just started with the 250 test a week and done a longer cycle and just experimented one by one because you really don't know what each thing is going to do inside your body. You, I can't tell you if, if it was the deck, if it was the test, if it was the D-ball that was causing, you know, any of the water retention on its own because if you start off with three compounds... You know, you can't isolate the side effects of any of them. So if you're out there listening to this, I would take literally, if you wanted, if any of those compounds sound interesting to you, do one of them and run it, you know, for a certain amount of time and, and see what the side effects are. Start at the minimum effective dose, then, you know, gauge from there. And uh, <laughs> let's see. Yeah. Oh, also for this coming music video. I was going to, I'm just about done with my Nandrolone cycle. I'm thinking I was, had the, a plan of going back on just regular old TRT, but then I get cast in a music video where they're going to use me with my shirt off. And I'm like, should I take Trend, Winstrol, Masteron and Primo that I have on hand for no reason, you know, for like two weeks and just blast the shit out of that for the, you know, so I'm currently debating that part of me wants to do it. There are all these compounds that I'm like, oh, they're terrible for your hair. They're terrible for your liver. But two weeks, you know, I, I could just handle a weekend of partying, right? And then, you know, it'll be my last hurrah. So that's what I'm currently thinking about. By the time I do my next episode, you'll know what I have decided. Okay, let's do another. This is why we can't have nice gyms. I have a bunch of links here. Let's see how they go. Okay, first of all, yeah, this guy's, uh, let's crank the volume up on that. Yep. He's saying, how do, you, how do you spot somebody in the squad? This guy looks buff. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. So we're setting that up. Reasonable distance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Take a big step back. Everything's looking good. Yeah. And just grab those cheeks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so he says, if you start to struggle... You start to tickle his ball sick and shove your thumb up his ass. Now, that is meant to be funny, but somehow I feel like that would actually work. You know, if uh, if somebody's tickling my ball sack and shoving their thumb up my ass at the bottom of a squat, I think I might get a sudden burst of inspiration. Let's check out that next video. Okay, this is uh, this is a classic spotting screw up. Um, this guy's, I think. If those are 25-pound plates and 45s, he's got two 45s and three 25s on each. I think it's like 375 around that ballpark, like high 300s. So this guy looks like a rando that he asked to spot at the gym. Comes down on the bench, comes up. It's, he's struggling, but it's still moving. He stalls out, and the guy grabs it. Then he lets go, and it goes back to his chest. And he's like, God damn it. He has to dump it because the guy's like not cognizant enough of like what's going on to then just like lift it all the way up. Now... 
uh, the guy lifting was very frustrated and I listened to the video earlier and he's like, you know, dude, you can't touch it. I was, was still moving. And my friends would come to me with stuff like this. I'd be like, oh my God, I was at the gym and like this guy touched the bar. Like I, I'm like, but why would you have a stranger spot you? Like if it's that important to you, don't have somebody spot you, you know, because you can dump the bar as he already did. He did it at the end of the, the move anyway. You know, if you're going to dump it anyway, potentially, if you don't have clips on there, what's the point? Just don't have a spotter, you know? Uh, uh, because I just see this so often, the guys get super pissed off, and it's like, well, you just recruited a stranger to come spot you, like, and they're scared to that you're gonna die under the bar, you know. So of course they're gonna be like quick on the trigger to spot you, unless you sit there and coach them for five minutes, like, don't under any circumstances touch the bar unless it's traveling back towards my neck, and I tell you I can't breathe, and I start to turn blue, like, you know, you have to give people this like hierarchy of, and then still you can still communicate that to to somebody, and they're gonna freak out seeing four hundred pounds like. Like shaking in your hands. So uh, my suggestion is don't use a spotter on bench press. If you're that, you know, high level that you can bench almost 400 pounds, you know what you're doing at that point. Just be smart about it. Okay, another one. <laughs> this is just one of these. So he's, you know, psyched for hitting 315 and he's on the Smith machine. I think the first one's a... Um, serious and the second one's a joke i could be wrong they could both be jokes but this guy's on the smith machine hitting 315 and he barely goes down and just his form in general makes me think like the way his knees come forward and buckle and he's like looks really skinny the second guy looks like he has decent squat form and is much more self-aware of the bar movement and i think he's like mocking the first one but this is something you see a lot where it's like, hey, why put on 315 on the Smith machine and go, you know, four inches down? I just wonder, you know, again, I want to interview these people and be like, what, what makes you think that that's a squat? What makes you think that, uh, you know, you're going all the way down or in your head, are you going down to parallel or what? Not that it's doing nothing, but how did that guy put on three plates and not realize that he can't do one plate all the way down? I don't know. Like, why do you keep going? And the lesson for you is ego lifting, of course. You can do so much with so little if you can control the weight. And I'm continuing to prove that point to myself because, of course, I ego lift as well. But, you know, for example, I did a bench press workout today with Brendan, and I only went up to 275, you know. And by controlling it, by using a narrow grip, by pausing it, by using a really solid bar path and just focusing, you get a tremendous workout with, you know, a minimum I would do my working sets at 315 before. So I'm taking a huge chunk of weight off, but I'm getting just the same, if not better, workouts by letting the ego go and saying, I'm not defined by the weights that I lift, which is easier said than done when you're a narcissistic egomaniac who defines himself by the size of his muscles. <coughs> Okay, and final one here. This is another spot fail. And again, this guy, ugh, this guy's so big and strong, and I, I haven't seen how many, like it looks like it's over 400. I'm, I'm loosely saying that looks at least like 365, but I can't see if there's a fourth plate on there. The main thing is he, he recruits this commercial gym trainer, and of course, most commercial gym trainers don't know what the F they're doing in the gym but this guy is particularly egregious because he spots at the elbows on a barbell bench press. Now, I think there's a time and a place to spot at the elbows, um, like a shoulder press, like a dumbbell shoulder press, or even a, a, a dumbbell bench press. The danger is, though, on a dumbbell bench press, for example, if you lift at the elbows, 
the person's forearm can collapse inward. And I've had that happen like while I'm spotting somebody, like their arm collapsed inwards and like if they didn't move their face out of the way, it would have hit them, right? So there is a danger. I prefer to spot at the wrist. You need to use more force because you have to like, you know, grab with your fingers and lead their wrists up, but it eliminates that danger. This guy puts, <laughs> he like causes the guy to go off balance and have the things, uh, have all the weights come off. But again, that's what you get. If you're spotting somebody, if you're recruiting somebody to spot you and you don't know them and you don't know with their knowledge level, disasters like that are always going to happen. All right. I think that's it, right? Um, let's move on to this Hellasick Fitness page. It's a guy named Tom Haviland. I don't know how to turn that off on my computer. It's the most annoying sound of the world. Someday I'll figure it out. Um, but okay. Awesome. Christian's coming through in the clutch to teach me how to use my computer because I'm an old man. Now this guy, I think he lives in Australia. I'm going to read his, uh, the bio real quick. The TX extreme power building program, coaching and jailhouse strong apparel links below. Um, now this guy like doesn't show his face for some reason. Maybe he's like a total uggo. Um, but okay. The dude is giant. Like the dude's like six, eight, let's say. Some of, and, and his training goals seem to be like, just get as big and strong. It's almost like he's trying to be some like super soldier, right? He does all these, like he does conventional lifts with massive amounts of weights, but he also does like farmers walks and like, like he, he'll post like the unconventional lift of the day. And it's like, you know, him doing uh, like a clean into like a zercher squat, you know, what is he doing here? Just I like, just wanted to see what his oh, face Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that is that right. that's the only thing that shows his face. So here he's doing like a really heavy curl uh, just from his knees. If we could go back to some of the other ones, um, like at the top, there's one, okay, yeah, so he's doing like a 900-pound deadlift in the first one. Um, and I think he lives on like a ranch in Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like everything he does is outside. He's got these really cool implements set up out there. You know, he's trying to get to 400 pounds. It's interesting to see the diet that he uses because it's like really when you're trying to gain weight, it's about getting in calories from carbohydrates. So, you know, he's eating like a thousand grams of carbohydrates a day, possibly more, um, up to 10,000, eight to 10,000 calories a day from some of the, the, the days that I've seen him diet. Um, if we could go to that, he has this little military press implement. If you get like where he's seated right there. <clears throat> yeah, there we go. So it's like, it's welded on, you know, the bar is welded on. Um, but I think I saw him do, a, here he is repping at least three plates, maybe more. Um, but I've seen him do like four, yeah, 357 for, for five, I think it says. Um, yep. And I've seen him do like a max of like 450, which is just insane. Like a seated press of 450 pounds. So if we go up a little bit, he also does like ex explosive training. There's, I think the second video on his page, um, there we go. Yeah. It's like a 400 pound clean. Actually, I think he's got five plates in there. Wow. He does it. He like cleans it into his like, like, so he has to let go and then put it into the crook of his arm for a, a zercher squat, which is like where you're carrying it in, in your arms and then squatting all the way down. It's just bananas because the way he, you know, he's, he starts at three plates and then works his way up, but he just throws this weight around. So what I'm saying is the guy's just inspirational because he's like, 
no nonsense. Like he doesn't like even take his shirt off. Like everything's like, he's like training in these like dicky pants, you know, like he's, he's training in work pants and work boots and doing these like farmers carries with farmers equipment. Like it looks like a, like a tractor, um, wheel or something, whatever's on the inside. Like, you know, he's doing like a hex bar, uh, deadlift into farmer's walk with this like big tractor gear. And uh, so I just like the approach, which is no nonsense, no frills, just lifting extremely heavy weight, but still in a very safe, controlled fashion. So there's not a lot of like ego lifting because he's so incredibly strong. He can handle all these weights, but he's really pushing himself uh, in these extreme, um, you know, uh, these with these extreme lifts and also doing athletic shit too. Or like picking stuff up and throwing it on here. It's kind of a strongman move. He also will like will jump on stuff that's super high. You're like, oh, this dude's like 6'8", 380, and also has like a 40-inch vertical. Um, it's insane. So check it out. His at is Tom Haviland, H-A-V-I-L-A-N-D, Tom underscore Haviland on Instagram. And it's just something like I've never seen anybody like this before. So really cool. Let's get on to a hella sad fitness tragedy. More plates, more dates, and some other people made posts about this guy, but I'm going to read more plates, more dates. Post about this guy who passed away recently. I was unaware of this guy. Um, obviously, he had a really good physique, really ripped. He looks like he's possibly in his early 20s, gauging uh, just by this picture. Rest in peace, Scott Murray. Here's a summation of what his regiment looked like. He maintained around 5% body fat year-round natty and was burning roughly 5,500 calories per day. That's a lot. His workouts would typically burn about 1,400 calories. Each workout would result in his hand shaking and feeling sick, but he still took no days off. I believe someone mentioned he hadn't taken a rest day in years. He was sleeping around three to four hours per night and would use those extra hours that should have been sleeping to go take long walks to get steps in and burn more calories. I hadn't heard of him until my subreddit started posting about his passing yesterday. After doing a bit of digging, I found out that Scott was a MPMD subscriber and he had sent me a few messages in the past. Based on what was mentioned at the funeral, it sounds like Scott had the I'll sleep when I'm dead mentality ingrained in his mind and had some serious mental health issues that caused him to take this to the extreme. This can serve as a learning opportunity for the fitness community as a whole. I have never in my life seen a case of an individual that literally exercised so hard and underslept so much that their heart gave out. One thing I can relate to is the lack of sleep, as it was only a handful of years ago that I was intentionally pulling an all-nighter once a week to get more work done. One thing I eventually realized is that the I'll-sleep-when-I'm-dead hardcore work ethic mentality that was perpetuated by entrepreneurs was not only extremely unhealthy, but actually counterproductive entirely, as the hours you were working underslept would yield a fraction of the quality of work you would get done if you otherwise just got a full night of sleep. Work smarter, not harder. Couldn't agree more with that sentiment. Um, there's a few things to unpack here. I would say, you know, we see some of these examples of obsessive behavior in fitness when you get stuck on this notion that you have to do a certain amount every day. You have to work out till you puke or you have to, you know, get 30,000 steps in or you have to be at a certain body fat percentage. Tristan Lee kind of opened up about this recently and talked about kind of, you know, obsessively maintaining this 4 to 5% body fat year round and what he'd have to do, obsessing over steps, obsessing over each individual calorie. I think it's with people who are pursuing excellence, there's a fine line between these two things where it's like, yeah, like to get things done and get things right, 
it is it does pay to be meticulous and detail oriented, but then you can easily take it uh, to a really unhealthy extreme. So I would just caution anybody from you know if if you're Exercise habits are cutting into your sleep. Even if your productivity is cutting into your sleep on a consistent basis, we know that sleep is so important and that it's, you know, people who sleep three to four hours a night, um, there's many famous cases like, you know, Ronald Reagan and um, the, who was a British prime minister, um, the Iron Lady. Uh, Her name's escaping me now because I also have dementia. But she, uh, you know, she would sleep three to four hours a night, these all, you know, yes, the Iron Lady, who is that? Margaret Thatcher, that's it. Um, these people suffer from dementia and Alzheimer's later in life because they, uh, you know, it, it, the science behind it is the sewage system of your brain can't function properly. You're receiving low level damage simply by being awake and looking into light, right? It causes this damage to your brain that can be repaired with healthy sleep. But if you don't get healthy sleep every night, um, that the plaque that accumulates cannot be uh, cleaned out. And over the course of years and years and years, if you keep up that habit, uh, that is what directly leads to dementia and Alzheimer's. And there's a lot of anecdotal evidence, and that's kind of like the theory. I'm not saying it's like exactly proven, but when you when you listen to these sleep experts, they're like, Dude, like it's just nothing is worth, you know, compromising your sleep. And, and, and the idea that there's these outliers that are like, oh, well, I only need three to four hours of sleep. It's total BS, apparently. Like there's no, there's, they've never proven any single individual who functions as well on three to four hours of sleep as anybody else does on seven to nine. Um, and your perception of your own productivity on uh, small amounts of sleep. Like you think you're doing okay. It's kind of like drunk driving. You think you're driving fine, but in fact, if, you, if you're able to measure this objectively, you're not at all. But there is a range in which, you know, maybe, okay, if you get three hours of sleep, you can tell that you're not functioning well, but at like five or six, you think you're functioning as well as seven to eight, but it turns out that you're not by any uh, objective measurement of your uh, intellectual performance. So I would just caution anybody against that kind of extreme sleep habit in the justification of like, oh, you'll sleep when you're dead, hustle, hustle, hustle. I think that's really BS. I think it's really toxic. I think that sleep is something that you should always prioritize. And I also think that this notion of like working out every single day to the point that your hands shake is just silly. What are you training for? If you're training to get ripped, you don't need that. You know, you can do a lot of low intensity exercise and just monitor your diet. you know, he's burning 1,400 calories in a, in a single workout. Um, I assume he's doing, uh, you know, he's burning roughly 5,500 calories a day. So in addition to that high-intensity workout, he'd also walk. And that's a lot for a guy that looked like he was relatively small. You don't need to do all that. And I encourage you to explore what high-intensity feels like. You know, like maybe you've never gone that hard and you've never worked out till you puked or something like that. It can be interesting to explore that, to know what your upper limit is and uh, where, you know, that, that failure uh, is as far as like resistance training or where that intensity level is as far as beats per minute on a heart rate that's going to make you throw up or make you really uncomfortable, but you don't need to spend every workout doing that. Okay. This is an extreme version of that that can actually, like you can see, it's not good for your heart. You're never going to recover. And the sleep, in addition to that, it just doesn't allow your body 
uh, to recover. And over time, that can be deadly. So chill out with it, dude. There's, there's much safer ways to get ripped and have a nice physique. You do not need to kill yourself in the process. All right, let's, let's just get a little bit of a lighter note here, okay? Let's do some cool stuff I saw on the internet. What do otters sound like? If you ever wondered, I'm about to answer that question for you right now. Can we get the volume cranking on that? <laughs> Turns out otters sound like this. Do I love animals? Yes. Do I uh, now follow at least 20 otter pages because I watched one otter video and loved it so much and replayed it a bunch? <laughs> Would you have imagined? Huh? And you know, when you see otters play too, they play like little dogs. It's always funny. It's like, oh, of course, because they're little like they're little river dogs, you know? Wait, Christian, do you like otters too? And apparently otters are rapists. Um, I'm just going to throw that out there. Have you seen Michelle Wolf's special? <laughs> like otters will like, <laughs> like they're super brutal to each other. Now they look cute. And of course, you know, all animals have a potential to, to kill other animals. Have, have you seen this? Have you heard about this? No, this is an otter is... demonstrating, pet me like this. Oh. You got to use your so hand cool. and pet me. Boom. Oh, that's amazing. I really love okay, stuff like that. Take your hand. See you. Take your hand. Put it on my hand. <laughs> Pepper that pepper. is one of the cutest things I've seen in a long time. And it reminds me of dolphins, like the self-awareness of like, like dolphins know how to like mirror things. Uh-huh. They also rape other dolphins. Right. Yeah. So these nasty little fuckers. All right. And I want to show you this because I'm always like, if you're old, you got to do things like overhead press and deadlift. So this woman's 82 years old doing a 210 pound hex bar deadlift. I brought a kettlebell up to my mom that's like 92 pounds. And I encourage her, I'm like, dude, get your, do it like, do a deadlift like five times. She can deadlift it. And it's just going to help your spine. It's going to help your lower back. This is what I aspire to. People, you know, will, will sometimes tell me like, oh, yeah, you're going to get buff now and you're on steroids. And, but, you know, when you're older, it's all going to go away. And this and I'm like, but it's not because I'm going to keep lifting, you know, and I'll have a bionic shoulder at that point. So what's the next one there? Making, oh, say so the, the caption is me, my hyena, the gym ain't ever going to make you money. But then it cuts to a male stripper on the ball. <laughs> and that's true. You know, it's funny, the world of male stripping, I remember talking to this guy and like, and also I've seen a documentary, but like guys go to the strip club and it's like, I just want to see a hot girl and I'm going to throw money at her so she can like flirt with me. When women go to a male strip club, like you have to have this whole persona and like fantasy scenario. So that's why they do like the fireman and the policeman and like, you know, it's like a whole... Um, narrative that you want to have, you know, like the lumberjack who's coming to like build a cab, you know, so like it's not just about they have to be buff and and uh, really good at what they do and be good dancers, I think, maybe even more, you know, demanding because they have to like have a routine that's like, you know, they bring the girl on stage and like, you know, do everything with her and they like have to like lift her up. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the girl can uh, not, not take anything away from the, the difficulty of female stripping, but you know, when a guy's on stage, he has to physically like hoist this girl up and, uh, you know, make that part of the fantasy that he's like manhandling you, all that. And, and each one of these guys like develops their whole thing like, oh, I come out as a fireman and I'm doing, you know, they have like props and gimmicks and all that stuff. So I thought it was interesting, like, you know, and you can make good money at it, but it's like, it seems like a real grind. And after that, I was like, nah, you know, like <laughs> if that ever, if that thought ever went into my head of like, you know, would it be fun to be a male stripper? I'm like, God damn, it seems like a lot of work and, uh, and much more difficult to like separate your, you know, cause you're always thinking of like, <laughs> you know, oh, wh wh what, you know, <laughs> am I going to bring my, uh, you know, <laughs> fire extinguisher on stage tonight? <laughs> okay. And last but not least, hella smart books. You know, I read David Goggins book recently and I just wanted to pass that on to you. I think it fits well with this. 
Instagram page. And I realized like not, he's so popular these days. I realized like I'll, I'll be like, oh, you've read David Goggins book, right? Assuming like everybody's read it because he's so popular, but not a lot of people have. It's an incredible story um, of triumph over difficult circumstances because he was put through so much violence and trauma as a kid. There's this one crazy story where like, you know, and in the audiobook, he has, um, you know, the, the guy who uh, wrote it with him, they kind of do like a podcast, a mini podcast in between chapters where they discuss the chapters because some of the stuff he says is so outlandish that you almost have to like ground it in reality. Like, oh, you actually did this. You did this like 24-hour race in Hawaii that was like 100 miles and like it's on this like insane uphill terrain and like people, you know, like there's so many ways to die doing it and you actually passed out and like broke your feet in 10 different places. You know, like he claims all these things, but it's like, oh, no, no, you can check the hospital records of whatever he claimed. And one of them was when he was a kid, um, like he was in a school bus and witnessed like this kid bringing a plate of cookies because it was the last day of school before Christmas um, up to the bus driver. And he's like running along and like trips and like the school bus lurches forward and splatters the kid head like a watermelon. And it sounds ridiculous. You're like, like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, sure. You saw like a kid's head explode under the wheel of a bus. But then like, you know, he verifies it like, oh, no, no, you can look in, you know, the Detroit newspaper, or whatever, around that time, like this actually happened. And um, that's just one of many things like he watched, like various parental figures, like his stepdad, who like treated them really well, actually was like murdered in front of him. Um, he uh, his his original father was super abusive to both him and his mother. And there's all these different things that he's overcome. And I think you kind of see that reflected in like the psychotic nature of how he trains. But you know, there's a number of incidents in the book that are just super inspirational because what it shows you is like, there's just no excuses. And he's gone out and run like an ultra marathon without any training. You know what I mean? He's like 240 pounds and like powerlifting and hasn't done cardio and like, you know, a number of years. And is like, I'm going to sign up for this ultra marathon. And like, you know, by the last mile, he's like shitting his pants, his like feet are broken. You know, he can't see straight. He has to be rushed to the hospital. Like, you know, he's like, did, you know, not only is like untrained, but did everything wrong. He's like, I know I'm going to eat like crackers and like Metrex shakes. And it was just like the absolute worst nutrition you could put in your body. It's just as far as like, you know, you're drinking, they're drinking water and, and Gatorade and you're drinking like this thick sludge. And um, he's just put himself into a number of things that require this extreme mental fortitude that I think everybody can be inspired by because we make so many excuses for ourselves. Like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'm not in, I'm not in good enough shape or it's too painful or whatever. He went through BUDS, uh, which is the training for the Navy SEALs like three different times. If he didn't make it on the last one, he would have been permanently banned from trying BUDS again. But it was all because of injuries, you know, like he like broke his kneecap at one point, but he's still like trying to wrap it up and just do everything he possibly could, um, you know, including engaging in mental warfare with some of his instructors who were like had a, you know, had a hard on for him. And so he would like kind of, he, he gives insight into how he looks at the competition, so to speak, of like whether it, he, call, he calls it taking souls. So like, you know, he finds little ways to like you know, get a mental advantage over the people who were trying to destroy him. And I thought that was a really interesting insight. But, um, you know, his basic message, if you know David Goggins, is like, quit being a bitch, you know, quit making excuses, just go do it. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. And I relate to that a lot of times because, you know, somebody who's really into fitness or whatever, there's always going to be somebody like, oh, Mark, okay, Mr. Muscle Man, oh, like even that kind of stuff, it's like borderline supportive, but also kind of like mocking. It's like, you know, his message is like, doesn't matter, don't fit in. 
you don't need the approval of other people. You can just tell people to shut up or put it out of your mind and go do exactly what you want to do and don't fear standing out in that positive way of being exceptional, even if it makes other people uh, uncomfortable. And, you know, if you are in a place where you need some motivation, if you need somebody to be like, hey, quit being a bitch, pick up that book and get it because he's going to be exactly what you need when we're talking about... um, that voice, which sometimes you don't get. And I like to be supportive, but sometimes you just need to be told, I have that voice inside my own head saying, Mark, stopping a bitch, you know, uh, take your shirt off right now to end the episode. And it's like, all right, no, Mark, like, oh, I'm going to keep it on. Like, nobody wants to see your packs. And then it's like, no, like one button at a time, just take it off. Like, is this an $18 shirt that was made in China that you ordered online and were concerned that it would never come, you know, so you can afford to manhandle a little bit and kind of just take it off. And even if the shirt gets stuck on your sleeves, you can say, you know what? I found my own character. Here comes Mark to the stage. It's a fitness influencer. Oh, yeah. And if you get in his podcast, he might make you famous. Hey, give it up for Mark Harley.